The following program was produced by Community Producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the Community Producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Hello and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm your guest host today, Ed Lucy, and my guest is Dan O'Leary, Chief Executive Officer of Mystic Valley Elder Services. And I'm delighted to have Dan as a guest because uh, his agency is a very important group here, in not only in Malden, but the surrounding communities. I'd like to think so. Uh, how many um, communities are actually part of the service yep. area that you... Happy to... By the way, thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you, Ed. Well, it's nice to have you again. We had you as a guest yeah, yeah. a while back. We've done this before, but never gets old. Yeah, there's always new things there, and there's certainly right. been a lot happening since the last time you were here. Yes, indeed. Um, so we're 11 communities. Malden's the home base. We have Chelsea, Revere, Winthrop, Everett, Malden, Medford, Melrose, Stoneham, Wakefield, Reading, and North Reading. I hope that's 11. And you do you even name them. It wasn't even alphabetical, I don't think. So that's even better. Yeah, I do. Which I have in my head geography. Oh, you do. <laughs> oh, that's okay. The same way. Yeah. yeah. Now, for those few people that may not be aware of Mystic Valley, they're on they're listening to the show. Basically, what is the mission of the of your organization? Right, Mystic Valley. We were we were born and raised. I'm going to say right here in Malden. We started back in 1975, and the mission of the agency has not changed since '75. It's to help older people, adults living with disabilities, and caregivers remain at home for as long as possible in dignity and independence. So it's as direct and as straightforward as, all, as that, and it's as complicated as all that. Yeah. But we're here to help people. We're a private nonprofit agency. I, I know you and I worked together back when you were the mayor uh, during Malden, and we work with the Council on Aging and all the services in every community. And our job is really to help people find what they need whether it's home-delivered meals, transportation, in-home workers, personal care attendants, things that are going to make life possible and make life living good at home. And uh, what would be the primary source or the major sources of your funding? Yeah, so Commonwealth of Massachusetts, number one. I'm proud to say living here in Massachusetts, uh, while it may not be perfect, it has a lot of advantages. And one of them is the state since the early 1970s has made a commitment to home and community-based services. So the number one funding source is the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, the governor of the legislature. Medicaid, we use uh, Mass Health money. And then we have money through the Older Americans Act, which is a federal program which funds primarily things like Meals on Wheels. And then as a private nonprofit, we do a lot of fundraising and we try to fill gaps with private money. Yeah. This past year and a half, um, and I've, I, I recall some fundraisers in the past that I've attended. Yep. And all of a sudden, many organizations similar to yours and big and smaller than yours, uh, that source has almost evaporated, mostly because of the social concerns or the, the regulations. So yep. um, that, that has been much of an impact on your services or your, or your ability to accomplish what your goals are? That's a really, that's a good question, and I'm going to answer it in two ways, not, not to evade the question. But one, the, the good news is the people who have been donors and contributors to us and have gone to, I think you're probably referring to the comedy show uh, over at Anthony's, we did that. Uh, and then we did a, a theater event up at the Stoneham Theater, which is now the Greater Boston Stage Company. Almost all the people who attended those and contributed, contributed to the non-events, which I call them. Uh, so the fundraising side of the business has been steady. Interesting. What, what, we, what we lost was obviously the community, the, the social interaction. And I think people missed that, but I think everybody understood that 
number one, because of COVID and uh, the restrictions, we had to be sensible and safe. But I'm really grateful, I guess is the, is the right word. I'm grateful to all the people who said, we understand we may not be able to get together and have a good laugh at the comedy show, but we understand why we're there. Really, it's to help the organization and people have dug into their pockets and helped us out. So it, I appreciate all the donors, everybody who's been involved with us to help us, I'm going to say, hopefully get through this pandemic, although we're still in it. Well, it almost seems like um, it's worse now in some ways, depending on where you live and where, you, where right. you're located, because the uptick. But that, interesting enough, this was forecasted a long time ago, and yep. some of it um, maybe was neg neglect or, or short-sightedness, not so much in Massachusetts, but elsewhere, that mm -hmm. uh, they allowed things to get out of hand, or they, didn't, or they didn't put the lid on it, maybe they should have, in which case they're now getting bad results so unfortunately that's unfortunately i mean here in massachusetts with this uptick we'll call it or whatever you want to call it surge in the of the because of the delta variant we're at risk no question about it but like you said uh ed in other parts of the country where vaccination rates are much lower i think things are much worse here in massachusetts we we've done pretty good job in terms of vaccination rates and i have to say older people in particular um I, maybe it's generational and they understand the uh, effectiveness of, of vaccines. Most older people have gotten the vaccine. Uh, there are people who cannot get the vaccine, I understand. But I think we've, overall, we've done as a society here in Massachusetts a pretty good job, but we're not out of the proverbial woods yet. Yeah. In your own uh, organization, have you been involved with the, with the clientele you have to, to, to arrange or encourage or uh, facilitate people get the vaccine vaccine yeah um you know i'm not going to say we we foresaw the future or whatever i think sometimes you just have to see the obvious and we understood based on science and what what the people who really know what they're talking about uh were saying that it was imperative that older people it, it, and i'm thinking now from our perspective obviously but i'm going to say most old people but clearly older people were higher at higher risk and so I'll use an example here in the city of Malden, and this happened in other communities as well we serve, is where Mystic Valley, the Boards of Health, the Housing Authority, uh, the Mayor's Office, the Councils on Aging, we all partnered together to figure out what can we do to get, not only get people to vaccination sites, and Mystic Valley provided free transportation to people, but more importantly, how do we bring the vaccine to people? And so we were able to work with here and with Chris Webb and the Boards of Health and Steve Finn over at the Housing Authority and actually brought the vaccines into public housing. Uh, we brought, they brought it on site for people who couldn't get out. So in the springtime, I think locally and state officials um, really did yeoman's work in terms of making sure anybody who needed and uh, who wanted to get a vaccine, we all needed, I think, uh, had access to it. So I'm very proud of what the team did, and I, I'm proud that Mystic Valley was part of that team. Did you find at times that, that there was resistance, perhaps, on those sites that you would visit, encouraging people to get the vaccine, that they were reluctant or hesitant, whether it was a cultural yeah. thing, a religious thing, or yeah. just all, lack all of knowledge? Above. Yeah, and I think, and I'm going to say, um, uh, personally, I've been vaccinated. Um, I, I'm glad I had that opportunity to be vaccinated. I, but I do understand why people may may have been and still continue to be hesitant um the vaccine is still has not been fully approved you know i think we have to recognize that that it's still in a under an emergency use authorization um so i think there are some people who want to know more i'm hoping that's the case because i hope that as time goes on and people feel more comfortable about the data and the experience of getting others getting the vaccine that they will choose to do so and then you, like you said there are cultural issues uh, lack of knowledge, uh, misinformation. Uh, That's let's definitely be I think there's misinformation out yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's hard to be able to, uh, I'm not in any way saying that people aren't discerning and smart or intelligent, but it's hard to sometimes sort through what's fact and what's not fact. And I think that's causing problems. Maybe more so today where people get on the computer and they, they search out information from sources that aren't Right. Very uh, accurate. So. And, it, and I, I can tell you, I mean, I go and check social media, I read things online, and I, and I feel like I'm a fairly intelligent person. And I'll, I'll tell you, there are times when I'm not sure whether 
this is a legitimate site or whether it's not, yeah, and it's hard to yeah, know sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Your staffing levels, approximately how many people are employed by uh, Mystic Valley? So we're down in commercial. We're on the corner of Commercial and Medford Street. Uh, have been there since now almost uh, thirty years. Mm, and, good uh, tenant. We're <laughs> yes, we're a good. I'm going to say we're a good tenant. We pay our rent, right? Well, I, I, does John Pereira own that? Is that yes? That's combined well, property. Well, so he's maybe. been a booster for you too. Oh, I've he's seen, been a great. Yeah, yeah. He's, I've he's, seen he's, him at other events, and he. But he's John is due. He's also been involved in other he uh, activities has. locally. Although he's not a Malden resident, he certainly. You've been a presence yeah. in the community. No, I'll put a plug in for combined properties mm-hmm. and John Pereira himself. Yeah. Uh, no, they've been they've been good landlords to yeah. us, and I, I believe we have been good tenants. Uh, in fact, we have uh, 330 employees. Now, about 250 work, we'll say, down at Commercial Street. Of course, everybody's been working at home, or, yeah. mo- or most of the yeah. staff have been working at home. But our nutrition program, they're on site every day, and we do about 3,000 meals a day uh, and about 80 people. So they're out in the field. But total, 330 employees. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned um, uh, services you make available, transportation. How does that, is that, a, a, is that your own uh, uh, field? Uh, oh, goodness, no. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, you, yeah, just no. co- you contract no, out with. Uh, yeah, oh, we contract uh, with, um, I, we call it a Malden Taxi. I think it's still called Malden Taxi. Okay, and, uh, oh, Mercury I see, Day. okay. And uh, SCM, which is one stop, and uh, uh, Suburban Cab. So yeah, yeah. we have a, we have a, a network of probably 75 different businesses, providers that yeah. we use. Every laundry services, uh, caterers, transportation, homemaking, personal care companies. Uh, we contract with Delta care programs like the Community Family, for example. So we have a variety of vendors that we contract with. The people who primarily work for Mystic Valley are case managers and, and nurses. And, you know, I know you know this, but for the for your uh, viewers is basically our job is to go out, talk to you, talk to the family. It, it, basically, I'm going to put this in layperson's terms because this is how we try to operate at consumer level is to say, what is it? How can we help? Tell me. Tell me what you are facing. What what's what's making it difficult to live independently at home and just have a conversation. And then we're going to say, OK, so we have some ideas. We have some programs and, and services that might meet your need, and we're going to lay those out for you. We're not going to try to sell you anything. That's not what we're in the business for. We're in the business of helping people. And so we're going to give you choices. We're going to say these are the kind of things we can do. Some of these programs are at no cost. Some are subsidized by the Commonwealth or the federal government. There might be a copay, And then there are other things that you can purchase if you so choose. And then we come up with a care plan. The person says, yep, I like, I like it. I like this part of it, whatever it is. Then we're going to implement it. We're going to stick with you. We're going to stay with you, no cost. The, the case management and all of that service is at no cost. It's free to the consumer. And we'll stay with you for as long as we want. We've had people who've been getting home care services from us for over 20 years, happily. They, they might be 95 years old, and they're still home, and we're happy to serve them. And that care plan can change over time. And again, the reason it's either at no cost or subsidized cost in most cases is because we have government funding and we have private donations that can fill in gaps. So if somebody we've had, I'll use now we're here in the summertime, uh, we've had some people who really low income, really just trying to, you know, between their rent and their uh, food and so forth, they don't have a nickel to spare at the end of the month, and they're living in a house that has no air conditioning. And so we, we've bought air conditioners for people. Now, we're not going to buy air conditioners for everybody in America, but for certain people who really are against it, we've done some things like that. We've put in grab bars. We've helped people actually move we, we, where they might be in an apartment, and then they get a call, and they can move to the Malden Housing Authority, one of the public, at, a, at reduced rent. But they don't have the ability to – they don't have the funds to move. We've helped people move. We've bought people uh, lift chairs. We bought people who ha- literally have moved into apartments with nothing. They had been pri- previously homeless. They didn't have a, anything. So we kind of outfitted them with a bed and a, and a kitchen table and a chairs and, and so forth. So, you know, we, we, try to, we try to figure out what is it you need, not what we can give you, but what you need. And then we go from there and see if we can do our best. Yeah. You mentioned Meals on Wheels. It right. was, did you say 3,000? 3, 3,000 meals a day we do. Yeah, and uh, maybe yeah, that's in not just in Malden. That's in the eleven. Of course, you know, no, yeah. uh, 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 the um, um, 
the system as it works, maybe you could just, if someone knows somebody they've ever seen, that would yeah. be a good program. Maybe you could elaborate on that a little bit. Sure. So, again, if you have a, and I'd say this to the viewers, uh, caregivers, older people themselves, professionals, they call us a lot. Just give us a call and say, here's what, here's what I'm facing. You I'm going to say before I answer, directly answer your question about Meals and Wheels, is you don't have to know the programs. You don't have to know the guidelines. You don't have to know any of that. That's my job, if you will. I'm the one who has to have that knowledge. All you need to do is to tell me what is it you need. How can I help? Then I can figure out with you what's the best approach on this. So on Meals and Wheels, so somebody might say, gee, you know, I'm just struggling at home. You know, I'm not, I'm having some mobility issues. I can't get out uh, easily to shop. Um, I'm not really, I'm not just eating well. You know, I'm just, I'm, you know, we used to call it the tea and toast. You know, that's, that's not a healthy diet. And it would really be helpful if I could get a, a noontime meal. You're, you know, if you're 60 years of age and older, you're in. No income guidelines. If you need the meal, we're going to get you the meal. Now, in addition to the a basic, we'll call it a basic regular meal, we have, four, we have five different types of, we'll call them medical diets. So if you needed a pureed meal, a chopped meal, low-sodium meal, we have access to those. We also contract with the Greater Boston Chinese Golden Age Center. Many people here, particularly in Malden, Chinese uh, Americans, Chinese descent, want an authentic Chinese-style meal. And we do 300 meals a day here in Malden, Chinese meals, for people who would like that choice. You don't have to be Chinese to get the Chinese meal. We're not going to do an ethnicity test. Um, you know, sometimes people will say, well, I can't get the Chinese. Absolutely. If you choose the Chinese meal, you can have the Chinese meal. If you're Chinese, you don't have to have the Chinese meal. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're laughing a little bit. But I want people to understand that we're not driven by what we will do. It's driven more by what the consumer wants. So we have that meal. And then we have some uh, a Haitian-style meal. Uh, we have a Caribbean-style meal that's available to people. So we have a whole, literally, menu of different meal choices that people can access. And, and they're delivered. I should, I should add, Meals on Wheels. I'd be, you'd, we're going to deliver it to your home by one of our wonderful Meals on Wheels drivers. And that's five days a week? Five days a week. And some people, again, we don't have a lot, but some people who really have no access to food, if you will, that we will deliver additional meals on a Friday to get them through the weekend. Yeah. And they get the menu ahead of time. They get the menu ahead of time. And they can selectively pick days they don't want it because maybe the menu isn't what they want or yep. they're not going to be home or whatever. Correct. And you, uh, you The only thing I would say on that and is because my nutrition director will be screaming at me if I don't say it. You can't call up in the morning and say, I want the meal today or I don't. What we would ask is that at the beginning of the month or at least a few days ahead and saying, I'm not going to be home. I have a doctor's appointment Thursday. Please cancel. So at least the day ahead. Sure. No, no. I, I, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I was thinking back. Sometimes people have a particular aversion to right. certain meals. So rather than get them and waste them, I, they, they, don't, they don't care. But I just to remind that. the public, that sometimes you may like some of the meal and it's still worthwhile to have the meal because the, I, what you do yeah. enjoy part of it. You can have it that day, and the rest you can make up on your own. Right. Now, I agree. this is a voluntary donation process. Vol on the meals program, it's a voluntary donation. Right. So the suggested donation, that's important, suggested donation is $2. Still $2? I'm still I was going to bring that up, but I thought it would be wrong. Yeah. No, $2. It's the greatest deal in America. It is. And you don't have to pay the $2. And I'm not gonna. We're not gonna say why, why not. No, it's, it's not. It's not a means test, and it's, an, no, it's the honor system sort of. Yeah, no. It's it, the money, the two dollars or whatever, the dollar or the fifty cents yeah. or whatever that the person uh, chooses to donate, it goes back into the meals program. Yeah, that's where it goes. Yeah. Now, in the years that you've been affiliated with the organization, how many years do you have now? Wow, that's a. We're going. We're going way back, aren't we? Uh, I started with Mystic Valley in 1980. Well, that's 31 I, years ago. And I took, um, we'll call it, I'm going to say. 41 a, years ago. 40, well, I wasn't going to correct you. Uh, I took a little sabbatical in the mid-1990s when I was the director of the Alzheimer's Association of Massachusetts. But I got drawn back again in, in okay. uh, 1998. Yeah. Just, just maybe for a contrast, and, that's, and the fact that it goes back that far is in itself an achievement. Um, and Marlin has changed um, 
dramatically diversity yeah. in the community. Very much. Um, how do you connect with people who have English as a second language, or maybe in some instances, no, literally no English? Right. That is a fundamentally important question. And I'm going to say what we, the board of Mystic Valley, the staff of Mystic Valley, we, we've recognized that Malden and other communities have changed. Um, Malden is very different than the 1970s and 80s, or, you know, it's a, it's, it's a great community. I think it's a, probably a better community now than it ever was. Um, but the population is different. And so what we, we have uh, affirmatively, if you will, made a commitment probably 25 years ago, I, I mean, I'm thinking back now, when we really understood that the population was changing. And what we needed to do was to hire staff who reflected the community. So we have staff at Mystic Valley, and I'm just running in my head, I'm gonna say speak probably 20 different languages. And I think pretty, you know, there's always one we're gonna miss, but I think we have staff now that are able to communicate in a person's native language. And whether they speak limited English or no English, we have staff to do that. So we have a wide, we have staff uh, with uh, Vietnamese speaking, uh, the Chinese dialects, uh, Haitian, Creole, some of the African languages, European language, Spanish, et cetera. Um, how about if someone required to uh, speak by sign, would you, are you able to facilitate a communicating arrangement? We'd have to do that through, uh, through the uh, we'd have to contract for that. Yeah, uh, I, uh, that's a really interesting. You have many question. of those situations. No, we you know we used that, yeah. not not so much anymore. What we you know one of the things that makes me think back, uh, Ed, one of the things we used to do is we, because there was a demand for it. We used to actually print, I guess if is it what you'd call it, the menus, the meals menus in Braille. Um, but now with technology, we don't have that need to print in Braille. But we've we've done it. Yeah. We've printed it in Braille. But we don't, for example. But with the technology and voice and translations and the audio, uh, trans, um, voice to audio. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, <laughs> text to audio. That sort of thing. We yeah. seem to have been able to overcome that. Yeah. Um, the last year and a half uh, has been challenging in a lot of ways for yeah. society in general, and I would think it's been particularly difficult for your organization. Yeah partly because of the limitation on the social interaction. So how have you related to that and dealt with it? It's, right. I'm sure, difficult. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think we've all struggled with this, right? And I think in some ways the impact of social isolation, the terminology, uh, being locked in your house, if you will, uh, has been particularly difficult for a lot of older people um, in, in various ways. One of them is that they don't get to see family and friends. You know, they just, uh, they've been isolated. And one of the things that one of the things we, we attempted to do uh, was to tr make sure, to the extent we could, that we were able to get services into people's homes safely. And I appreciate how challenging that was for all the workers who were tr delivering the care, and trying to do it safely, and the the struggle that older people were had in, in, in the internal struggle about. Do I, do I, what trade-offs, what risk am I willing to assume? And what I mean by that is, do, am I better off to get the services I need and take the risk of potentially getting, contracting the virus from somebody who's coming in to help me? And that's a, that was a, that's a, that was a tough call for people. Because, you, you know, it's, not to overstate it, but in some ways it's life and death. Uh, and I'll, we had probably, I'm going to say, 10% of the consumers that we were serving chose to say, I, I'm just not, I just not prepared to have somebody come into my home. And they, they suspended services and struggled along. Um, other people chose to say, no, I, I need the services and I'm going to accept the services. So we had, I'm going to say about 10% of our consumers either say, um, I'm going to just try to go it alone or at least temporarily suspend my services. Most of the people who suspended services started returning, I'll say, June, in June, not, not on a given date. But people, as the, as the governor started to relax the restrictions, people were calling us saying, 
let me, you know, I've, I've been struggling. Let's, let's see if we can get, get back, you know? And so we've been, I think the service levels have been coming up. Now, the other side of this whole thing is that as people suspended services, workers who depend, the frontline workers, the home health aides and the PCA, the personal care attendants and so forth, who frankly depended on, this was their livelihood, these were their jobs. And when people suspended services, they lost income. Now, we worked with vendors and they, both of us and the government had the PP loans, the payment, pay protect, pay check protection program, so forth, that many of us used to keep people working. That was helpful. But what some, we've lost workers out of the workforce who've gone just elsewhere. And now, as people are starting to return into the system, the workforce is actually at a lower level in terms of availability than it was prior to the pandemic. So we have this conundrum of we ha we're welcoming back people who need help, and like a lot of businesses, right, probably here in Malden and everywhere else, have the help wanted sign out. We, in effect, have the help wanted sign out and are trying to get people to get back into this work, the business of caring for people. And so it's going to be a long, it's, we have a long way to go. The, um, in terms of your staffing, do you have any requirements about the people uh, that are employed directly or indirectly are, are required or re requested or whatever to get vaccinated so that if they, yeah. particularly the ones that are dealing with the public? So we're not, we're not there yet. Uh, we do not have a mandatory vaccine policy. Mystic Valley, and I go on the record with this, we from day one, I'm going to say, um, have been strong advocates like we discussed at the outset educating people, encouraging people. We give people no questions asked, time off from work, paid time off, go get a vaccine. If you want to get a vaccine, please go get it. Um, Cambridge Health Alliance and Melrose Wakefield Hospital, both early on in the pandemic, worked with us, in effect deemed us essential healthcare workers and made the vaccine available to us. So we had, I'm going to say most of our staff have been vaccinated. But specifically to answer your question, we do not have a mandatory vaccine policy. Yeah. And how about the people you service, the elderly and those groups that are part of, let's say, the Meals and Wheels? They, they, presumably, there wouldn't be a man, there wouldn't be a requirement that they be vaccinated. No, I mean it. So you we, wouldn't even know, really. I guess we, we no. One of the the way we've handled it is we've encouraged vaccination. And I believe most of our staff, just in conversation with them, have chosen to do that. They understand why. And it makes sense for them and their loved ones and our consumers. The other thing that we have required, though, is any staff member interacting, whether it's in our, our work area or our, our office area, although we don't have too many people coming there, but as they go into people's homes, they, whether they're vaccinated or not, they must wear a mask. And we also have tell staff to carry extra clean masks so that please offer the consumer a mask, but they don't have to wear it. But our staff, our Meals and Wheels drivers, the home health aides, must continue to wear masks, for, at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And, um, and it is indefinite at this point. It really is any kind of a... I, I don't... Yeah, if... if yeah. I certainly don't know what the outcome's yeah. going to be. If if you if you I don't I don't think any I don't think exactly I don't think a lot of people a lot of money to figure right. something out. As as great as Dr. Fauci is, I don't even think he knows. No no no, no. <laughs> he has his detractors as well. Oh, he has lot, his detractors. A lot of supporters. Right. Do you have instances where um, people that come in contact with the public that you deal with on a deal, like for instance, meals and wheels and those kind of things? make a determination that the person maybe needs some support they're not getting, in which oh, case you make referrals to either a caseworker within your organization or you maybe seek out other sources? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of the, I'm going to say one of the, 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 you know, we joke about this, I'm smiling, because we always kid about the meals, and, you know, as we talked about at the beginning, somebody, somebody loves fish and tells me, give us more fish, and then the next person says, I hate fish, don't send me any more fish, you know. So you're gonna, you, of course you're going to get some of that. But I think, like you said, I think the meals are pretty darn good, you know. Yeah. Um, the, the other 50%, we'll go put 50% to the food. The other 50%, and some of, I know from talking to people, they might say the other 60% is the Meals on Wheels driver. Now, that individual, him or her, becomes 
part of almost their extended family. And I say that in a sense. They look forward to that person coming every day. It's usually the same individual every day, day after day. You know, yeah. They become, and the Meals on Wheels drive is part of their job, if you will. They're not medical people. They're like you, but they're good, caring people, I'm going to say, like you and me. And if they see something that so-and-so, Mr. O'Leary's not doing too well today or whatever, they're going to come back to the office. And not only do we welcome that information, but it's really part of their job to say, I think somebody should give, give Mr. O'Leary a call today. I, he doesn't look too well. So that, they're almost an early warning system. And I, I can tell you, and you probably have heard this in, in your experience as mayor and, and just being here in Malden, is that just people looking out for one another in a good, um, genuine, sincere way, there's no substitute for that. Technology's great. All these kind of things are good. But, you know, Lifeline is great. It's a wonderful system. We have 2,000 people getting that through our organization. I highly value it. That only tells you when something happens or when somebody pushes the button. It doesn't tell you that on a day-to-day -day basis, over a course of a week, I may, not, I may not be doing as well as I did at the beginning of the week. Now, there is technology that can help with that, but a Meals and Wheels driver, they can see it. They can, they can pick up things. And, you know, I'm going to say you and I are age eligible for Mystic Valley Services. You and I don't need them yet, right? But we're eligible. Speak for yourself. Oh, come on. <laughs> you and I both are. We just, we're 61, both of us, right? So we're age eligible, but most people, I'm going to say most people, Ed, if you ask them how you're doing, you call somebody up, how you doing? Nine times out of ten, they're going to tell you, I'm oh, doing all right. They may be doing terrible. But they're not going to tell you. So having that eyes on, having somebody who, who knows you, there's no substitute for it. Mm. It's still, we're, as great as technology is, I still think we're in the people business. Yeah. Now, other than Meals and Wheels, you have reasons that your staff for caseworkers and all that have, go on site to we go on site. clients. We're going outside. We're going on site. We're out in the community. Our case managers and nurses are going to people's homes and doing what I just talked about, sitting down, talking to them, assessing them, seeing them on a regular basis, again, to understand have things changed, things may be better, you may get some services, you were kind of home from the hospital, now you don't need as much service. On the other hand, over time, things may be changing not for the good. And so we're going to be seeing people, and we're going to change those services. Might be more home care services, might be more personal care services or homemaking services. It could be laundry services. Um, you know, here in Malden, other 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 communities, not everybody has the laundry, the washer and dryer on the first floor. They may be down in the basement. You know, no house is built like that now, but in the old days they were. And you know, it's you have somebody who's not doing too well, mobility issues, and they're going down a set of not rickety old wooden steps down into the basement where the laundry is. That may not be the smartest thing. The last thing we want to do is have somebody fall and break a hip. That's not good. And so sometimes maybe there's a laundry downstairs, but we're better off to have either somebody come in and do the laundry or have the laundry sent out to a, you know, a laundry provider. Little prevention is a good thing. Yeah. Do you have instances where people get temporary services rather sure. than permanent so that they may be a, a health reason, surgical reason, or whatever that they... Sure, absolutely. Yeah. There's no time limit. We can be with you for a day or 25 years or more. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll stay with you as long as you need us. Yeah, with the um, and I don't want to keep dwelling on the Meals and Wheels program, but obviously for some people, that is a form of a lifeline because. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, what happens if weather conditions are such that like storms and all? Well, yeah. Um, so we do a couple of things. Number one is, and I shout out to the people who do this. They come in day after day in all kinds of weather. I think, I'm going to say, I think we missed one service day this past year. Really? That's all? One day. I think there was one day where we couldn't get out, and I think it was for a variety of reasons. Part of it was where the kitchen had, uh, uh, was down because of storm issues. But, what we in, but, you know, there is going to be that day. It could be a hurricane. It could be a snowstorm. It could be, you know, whatever. And so what we do in our um, spring and fall is we send out what we call um, emergency meal packs. So it's a, it's a box, where you, and I, it might be a little can of tuna fish with a pull top and some crackers and some juice, so you can put it up on your shelf. Uh, so if we can't get out to you for a day or two, you know, you can eat. 
Now, what we try to do is tell people, put it up on the shelf, remember where it is, and don't eat it the first day you get it. <laughs> don't eat the crack. Oh, don't, don't eat, eat the crackers on the first day you get it. <laughs> Um, among all the other things, and we haven't touched on it yet, you mentioned the, the kinds of groups of people that are working for the agency, yeah. but you also have volunteers too. Oh, many, many volunteers. And, and you've been a really covered the us. gamut of a lot of different yeah. opportunities. Basically, if someone were of a mind to say, I got some free time, I'm semi retired or retired, yep. maybe I could do some volunteer, what kind of people are you looking for? Good people. Good oh, that, people, well, good, that's the problem. Good, good people with a heart. So what? One of the th so we have. You asked me a little while ago about uh, social isolation and and the effect of COVID and so forth. And one of the things we realized that it's not it's not a new phenomenon, but it was much heightened and was exacerbated by COVID and the lockdowns and so forth. And so a year, a little over a year ago now, uh, thirteen months ago, we started what we call a social engagement program. So we've been recruiting volunteers. This is a volunteer opportunity where people are primarily doing telephone reassurance these, these days, but we're hoping to get people, we, we used to call them friendly visitors, so to build up a cadre of volunteers who would, if you will, ad adopt uh, a person and, and be a friendly voice either on the phone or I suppose as we go forward over the, on Zoom or whatever, whatever, the, whatever the connection wor works or at some point hopefully in the future where they get back to one-to-one. -to -one. So we have a lot of, we have about 85 volunteers right now who are doing just calling up and saying hi Ed, how you doing and blah 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 how the how the grandkids or whatever it is you know what I mean just a friendly visitor call, and then we have other people who have been doing this for years. They're called money managers. Now they're not money managers in the sense of what you see in television where we're uh, managing your stock portfolio. No, these are for folks who I used to call it the mail piles up on the kitchen table or the dining room table, and you got a stack of it, and it's trying to figure out. Which is a bill? What isn't a bill? Is this a solicitation? And is it a scam? You know that sort of thing. And and then helping people make sure the rents paid, national grid is paid. I guess these days the cable companies paid, whatever it is, and making and balancing the in you know still balancing the checkbook. So we have volunteers that we have uh, about a hundred close about close to a hundred seventy five to hundred people who are matched up with people who need this what we call bill paying service. There's a subgroup of the bill payers, is what we call them, that are rep payees, which is under Social Security, where somebody is deemed that the Social Security check is managed by a, what they call a representative payee. But most of our volunteers are doing the bill paying. So that's another volunteer opportunity. So we have, uh, and then we have what they call shine councils, which are, they are help people select the right health insurance program. So as many of your viewers know, you know, Medicare is a great program, but Virtually everyone you needs get inundated a, a certain time of the year with all the choices. Right, yeah. then you have to pick a drug plan and so forth. And so we have counselors who go through sixty hours of training. They pass a test, a certification test, and they're available to help people try to figure out which which of the health supplemental health insurance plans and drug plans uh, is best for them. So we have a group of people, uh, about seventy five of those folks, who are volunteers. So we have. All kinds of great volunteer opportunities, and frankly, we couldn't do what we do without volunteers. Yeah. Do you occasionally come across a situation where someone is looking for some help with, let's say, building, organizing, that sort of thing, and when your, your, your volunteer or your staff person gets involved, it appears that they may be getting uh, taken advantage of by a friend oh, or a relative? Me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and one, of the, one of our other programs that kind of leads, leads us along into what the different kind of services we have at Mystic Valley and one of the very important services we are is the Elder Protective Service Agency. So we receive reports through a statewide system that if somebody here lives in Malden or any of the, our 11 communities, those get routed to our team. And we have a group of trained Elder Protective Service social workers who will go out and do an investigation. And serious stuff. The kind of so the kind of things that fall within protect elder protective services are things that people would probably say, oh yeah, I know about that. Things like being physically abused, um, being um, mentally uh, uh, abused. Um, there is sexual abuse. We have some of those cases, uh, and then we have uh, financial abuse. So what you are referring to might it could be a family member, it could be somebody else. 
that somebody, we get calls, we've done a lot of work, and I'll credit the uh, financial institutions, the banks around here where we work with the banks, and they become much better, much more aware. Somebody comes in and wants to buy, uh, take out cash to buy, they'll say, I need $5,000, I'm going to buy uh, gift cards. That's a red flag. Some, that's probably somebody's been scammed. Or this, the, the, a com, a, unfortunately too common one where somebody gets a call and says, your grandson uh, has been detained. Who, Frank? Yeah. You say, yeah, you said grandson Frank. Yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. And yeah. he needs $500 to, for bail. This is a mm. scam, one of these scams, you know. And people, unfortunately, intelligent people get caught up in this. And some, you know, we try to help the uh, Secretary of State's office, the Attorney General's office. We'll try to recover. It's very difficult. But sometimes that's a – when somebody gets caught up in those kind of things, it's a one-time thing. And, you, you know, we go like, oh, boy, I shouldn't have done that, and you just move on. Other times, though, that is an indicator potentially when we go out and investigate that the person is not – there are other things going on in their life, and they need some help and protection because they're making poor decisions. Yeah. could be Alzheimer's. It could be other kind of cognitive impairment. Yeah. Well, there's a factor, too, we look, you just alluded to more than once, that the people sometimes have a limited circle to, in, their, in their life. And right. when they get a phone call from someone that they, and they, and they're oftentimes told, if you don't recognize the phone number, don't oh, pick it up. But I, they do agree. anyway. Right. And they start talking with people who all of a sudden can ingratiate themselves. Yep. And before they know it, they're telling them personal information that can be used against them. Right. And But they're getting a phone call and having someone talking to uh, maybe that average day they don't talk to anybody. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah oh, absolutely. And, and, again, it goes with being socially isolated. If you have family that are not, you know, you may not have family. Uh, mm. You know, I remember one time um, this was a – many years ago, and it was an eye-opener for me, is that there was a person, and I won't name where it was, but the person said, and this was being discharged from a hospital, and the hospital people said, well, what do you mean you don't have anybody to come get you? And this was to the the person. And the person said, God love her, said back to them, I'm 95 years old. I had a lot of people in my life, but they've all passed away. And I'm not I'm not, you know, socially inept or whatever. But it was like, what's wrong with you? Why don't you have somebody come and get yeah, you? Yeah. And, you know, people, there are circumstances in life, and people become alone. And you're right. And they, and pe- most of us, I think, are the type of so- we're social beings, right? And we want to have people we can trust and talk to. And some of these, these people that are scam artists, they're good at it. They're very effective. And so people can be easily duped. And so, yeah, uh, the things that you're talking about, don't answer. If you don't know the phone number, let it go to voicemail and then listen to it. Yeah, I um, uh, do. Uh, I, I call a situation I was aware of uh, a while back, a professional person who um, had a cancer problem, a mm-hmm. serious cancer issue. She got a f- phone call one day, and it was that she was going to get, there was a arrest warrant for her for uh, money owed to the IRS. Yep, this is another. And she was taking medication, and, and she was under a lot of stress, and she panicked. And like I said, this is a person on uh, had a, uh, educated, yes. professionally successful, and they they demanded that she pay a certain amount of money within a certain minimum amount of time. And the the woman said something to the effect, "Well, I don't have all I have in the, my checking account." And she gave a number which was less than the amount. Yeah. And she was instructed to get gift cards. Oh, there you go. There she, it is. She actually did that. Yep. And yep. then it turned out that uh, she was so embarrassed afterwards, thinking yes. about it, that for the most part she kept it secret and didn't tell anybody until she did tell a couple of people, and that's how I happened to find out about it. But as I said, if you if you had known this person, you'd say. She would never be right. susceptible to be trapped like we, that. We all are. Yeah. We, we all can. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to say I could be, you could be, we could Me. be. Yeah. Tough Ed? Be careful. <laughs> Tough Ed. <laughs> well, no, that, but the point being is that. I get a lot of calls, but I've been called, I've gotten called uh, talking about arrest. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, it's, uh, it's scary stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, without trying to scare everybody to n- not talk to anybody or ever leave their house, but the other thing is. There's so much information about us, all of us, out on out in the internet, in public sources, that these scam artists they they can find information out about us that the average person like you and I would think, how could they possibly know that? But 
yeah, it's, you know, our grandchildren can tell us, you know, and our kids can tell us, you know, mom and dad, <laughs> they know a lot more about you than you think they do. Yeah. And, and actually, unfortunately, they are sometimes in a foreign country. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the other thing, and not, not to uh, dwell too much on this, but I do want to, uh, you know, for, the, for our public sake, it's not these kind of things, uh, this kind of financial abuse and scams and, and other forms of abuse are not always done. In fact, it's more often than not, it's somebody that you know. And it's not just the foreign person or the person who's, you know, at the other end of the phone that has no connection. But what we've discovered is, is that there can be circumstances in families and, you know, people have problems in life and they, people will take advantage of their own family members. And, you know, you talked about people being embarrassed to report. It's, it's bad enough to say I got duped by somebody overseas and I sent them 500 bucks in gift cards. If you think that, you're embarrassed by that. A lot of people don't want to say that Billy, my grandson, just stole from me, you know. But that's that happens. And Billy or Sally or whoever that is, you need to, people need to report that, and we need to protect people. Hmm. You, you, you had mentioned lifelines. Yep. Um, and it was, what did you say, it was 2,000? Uh, we have about 2,000 individuals who get yeah, it, yeah. who have it. Um, is it... Is it a manageable expense for a people if they have? Yeah. The, you have to pay for that yourself. I don't think that's covered by insurance. Is we it? we cover it. So we have a contract, and if you are in part of our home care program, and it's something that would make sense for a person, they have they're at a fall risk, for example. Um, we, we that's one of the services we provide, and and it's at no cost to the individual. Really? Now, is that a means test involved in that? Yeah, that's under the home care program. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the means test, and I'm glad you let's talk a little bit about this if we have a minute. Is that everybody thinks? Well, I'm probably too. I, I make too much money for this program, and what I say to people is, the don't don't rule yourself out. Yeah. Number one. Actually, the, the, the program guidelines go up to almost $50,000 now. Now, there's a, what they call a cost sharing. You're paying a portion of that, but it's a fraction of what the actual cost is. So the average person, the average person, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, are probably not eligible for the Massachusetts Hall Prayer. Bill but Gates when, might be soon. Well, he might be. He might be. Good point. But you, my point being is if you're very wealthy, you can probably take care of yourself. But the average person who lives here in Malden, I'm talking the average person, is going to, we're going to find a way to help them get services. So importantly is don't rule yourself out. Always make the phone call, and we're going to figure out the best possible way to, to uh, help you out. There may be a copay for it, but it's yeah. still better than paying 100%. Yeah. I, uh, I talked to someone recently, and, and uh, this person uh, – is an older, elderly, actually, person, female, and uh, but has strong family support, and she has a lifeline uh, system. And I don't know which one it is. Yeah. But she was told me she's paying forty-eight dollars a month, and I thought that was a little expensive. I didn't think it was. Uh, well, there's different. Not to, uh, I'll say, that there are. It's like every other service, right? You can buy basic cable, right? Yeah. Or you can buy the one with the movie package and the sports channels and everything, sure. and the, yeah. the price yeah. goes up. So with these, what they call PERS, Personal Emergency Response System, that's the generic name for these. And then there are different trade names, one of them being Lifeline. Everybody kind of refers to it. It's like we used to talk about copy machines as being Xeroxes. You know, everybody uses yeah. the term Xerox. Yeah. So people, you know, we use this term Lifeline, and people know what that is. But the so-called lifeline kind of service is a basic service. Then they have what they call cellular. So you could actually, you didn't have to have a landline. It could be with your cell phone. Then they have a, a feature in which can be very helpful, fall detection. So where the basic lifeline system is, if you fall, you have to press, essentially press the button. They have an upgraded service where it can detect if you fell. So that's a little more money. So Depending on what kind of service she has, it could it could be forty eight dollars. Yes. And just a reminder to the people, I know again another situation that occurred fairly recently where a, a woman who had some limitations on her mobility and um, used a landline rather than a cell phone yep. because even though she had a cell phone, she couldn't read it or whatever. Oh yeah, right. And uh, she actually fell getting out of a chair. Yeah. And fortunately for her, 
the landline was uh, she now she had a lifeline that she didn't use. She didn't wear it. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. It, that's the point of my story. She <laughs> did, and the second thing was it was just fortunate that she that she was able to reach out and get the landline because she lives in a lives in a high rise where yeah. uh, getting in and out of the building is not that easy. And a couple with the fact that unless. It, uh, she didn't answer her phone at a scheduled time with the family would call or whatever. She Which, could have been laying down there in the floor, right. but she just happened to be able to reach the, right. the landline, and, uh, and obviously the family member responded quickly. And well, I'm glad. But that's a case of where there was a, something could have happened and right. was needless, and that's needless. why I would right. remind people, if you have the service, take advantage where, of it. That's, where, why, where, that's why it's where, there. Yeah. Where, it, where the pendant, well, where the That's watch. another thing. You could have it on your wrist. You could have, it, you right. could have the, bu- the yeah. buzzer around your neck. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, yeah. We're, we're smiling because we, yeah, I, I know. That, that's, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It only works if you wear it. That's it. Yeah. Now, most of the new clients that you, your agency receives, are they initiated from the individual or maybe a family member or you reach yes. out to them because of some other reason you become aware of their situation? All, all of the above. All of the above. All of the above. Uh, I'm going to say the, um, the good news for Mystic Valley because I, I hope and I believe we have a good solid reputation in the community is that word of mouth is so that people will say, I've used them, you can trust them. So most of our referrals come from individuals uh, families would be the next uh, family member calls us up. The third group would be medical professionals, a discharge planner from a hospital or a physician's office and so forth. That's probably the, the next, the third group. Um, those are probably the top, the top three is where they come from. Right. Yeah. And then there are people like Ed Lucy who calls me up and says, I have a, I have a friend that I want you to call. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we get th- we get those kind of yes, so we sure. get so we'll get calls from concerned friends and neighbors and say you know can you know I'm I'm a little concerned about my neighbor uh, yeah. you know and and I'm gonna say Ed, if you don't mind you know you you and I have had a long long standing relationship and you do exactly that and I'll say to you and I would say this to uh, if somebody else call me up and I I'd say okay. Uh, can I? I'll, I'm happy to call Mr. So and So or Miss So and So. May I say that you referred him? You know, because it, part of it is is to respect people's privacy and rights, but the other part of it is, particularly going back to our other conversation about scams, is if we have somebody from Mystic Valley call you and you've never called us and you don't know much about us, and this is part of why we're doing this TV show so people do know about us. We, I want to be able to say the reason I'm calling is because your friend or your neighbor or your trusted source, Ed Lucy, asked and said we might, we might be able to help. And that helps people be, feel a little more comfortable talking to us because, again, they don't, if they don't know who we are, they need to be careful. Just as a curiosity, um, do you find it more likely women will reach out for services than men on their own? Yeah. So uh, – Yes. The answer is yes. No, it's not, you know, exclusive, but I think the our clientele and our referrals are, are overwhelmingly from women. Now, here we are, two guys sitting here happily, uh, but women still live longer than men. And, and uh, although their life expectancy, unfortunately, is not increasing at the same rate as it was, uh, but women tend to be, uh, well, yes. I, the answer is yes. Men still are somewhat reluctant, although I think we're getting better. I think men are getting better at recognizing the limitations. Well, is that an ego thing, maybe, with men? I, I, I'm <laughs> smiling at myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was um, try, trying to think. That I read one time somewhere where uh, women are uh, uh, widowed, I think it was seven years yeah. longer than men. Right. And the reason it starts with the fact they live longer, four years, yeah. but they also are usually three years younger than their husband on an average. So, the, so in seven, they're going right. to outlive their husband by seven years, and that might be a re- but I But I also yeah. think that a woman's attitude towards health re- yeah. is more maybe consistent with 
an ounce of prevention is worth right. a pound of cure, and where guys think, oh, I'm, I'm fine, and I'm nothing fine. Gets, needs to be done. So. Well, for all you viewers, you know, we, we know this, right? Women are more sensible than men. <laughs> <laughs> well, In now, many areas. Now, anybody that's listening, if, if they, <laughs> let's say, if they're by themselves, or maybe they, they, know, they know of someone, as they're hearing the, the uh, discussion we've had today, and say, gee, I think so-and-so is, in my own circle, is someone who probably could use your services, or someone maybe on their own will start thinking, well, it's difficult for me now to get meals prepared yeah. when I get when I do have food. So therefore, a meals and wheels would be a, a logical thing. Right. What, what should shopping. they do? The, I'm going to say, the still I think the the most common and the simplest way is to make a phone call, seven eight one, three two four seven seven zero five, seven eight one three two four seven seven zero five. That's all. Free call. No pressure. You're not going to be trying to be sold anything. We're going to say, how, tell us what, what, what you're facing. What are, what are your issues? Might be just what you said. We're going to say, let's talk. Let's see if we can come up with some options. And while you're getting a pencil, um, if they did make that phone call, yeah. what's, what happens from your end at that point? So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to you're going to talk to one of our information representatives. That's They're an gonna, intake person. Intake person. They're going to talk to you and say what, what's going on. Just what I'm saying. Very not. We're not going to medical questionnaires. We're not going to ask you if a bank accounts or anything like that. What is it? What's going on? Likely we're going to say, can we set up a time to come out and sit down and talk so we can observe your observe and see what's going on in your. You might need grab bars. You might need things people are saying I might be having a difficult time in the bathroom. You know, very personal subject, but let's, you know, we're talking, we're adults here. I'm having a hard time getting on and off the toilet. I'm having a hard time getting in and out of the shower. Well, we can help with that. We can, let's, maybe, maybe what we need to do is get a raised toilet seat. Not a big deal, but could save a hip fracture. Getting in and out of the tub. You and I both, I think we both know, that's a fraught with risks. Slippery, trying to get in, whatever. Let's get some grab bars for you. Might be a tub seat. So part of that is is doing a home assessment with your permission to see are there other things that can help make your life better. And that's what we're going to do. Then we're going to come up and say, here are three or four things, Mr. Lucy, you know, that might make sense. And you say, I like three of them, one of them. No, I'm not ready for that. That's okay. Then we're going to figure out what what program, per, per se, what funding source do we have available that can lower, minimize, or no cost for these services? And then we're going to go from there. Then we're going to get the services in. We're going to check in with you. How are you doing? Do you like them? Do you don't like them? Do we need to change it? And we're going to stay with you literally as long as you want us to be there. And um, now that the person who may be interested in getting that, make that phone call, what's the phone number again? 781 324-7705. Mystic Valley Elder Services. I mean, we're talking about calling us on the phone. We have the website, mves.org. You can, people can apply through the, you know, through the website and so forth. But most people still pick up the phone. Right. And that might be a way for people to have family members who are computer literate, which that Absolutely. way they could kind of satisfy themselves right. that everything's going to be done to their advantage. Right. W- they're private in nature, and they don't want to be telling business to strangers. Yeah, but. yeah, M-V- M-V-E-S, M- M-Victor-V-E-S.org. Right. Dan, thanks very much. It's been very informative, and the show is going to run Wednesday at 7 o'clock, and it's going to run Saturday and Sunday. And for anybody that finds somebody within their circle who may be a prospect or a client for services, we've given the phone number, and the location is on 300 Commercial Street. 300 Commercial Street, right in the corner of Medford and Commercial Street. Well, thanks again for coming by, Dan. I appreciate it, and I think you've been very enlightening. Ed, it's a a pleasure. We've been here for 45 years, and we'll be here long after this show. I'm not here for 45 years. (laughs) I hope we're here for another 45. I'm getting getting close. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks Uh, thanks a million. Thanks to you viewers. I'm going to take this and keep this. Thanks again. Thanks for having me on.